The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts and most notable sits for week 10 of the fantasy football season into double digits. Crazy to think about. Rich Rebar will also be stopping by later to discuss some of the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column, so make sure you stick around for that. Before we get to all the action, however, I would like to mention the best way you can help out the podcast, whether you find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or some other service. Rating and reviewing helps us in the rankings. It helps others find the show. And as I understand it, Josh is reading out reviews on on Fridays, and uh, Evan is Evan Silva is giving out compliments to reviewers. So if you'd like to be complimented in the deadpan style of Evan Silva, then uh, then make sure you review. All right. That's out of the way. Now let's welcome in Nick. What's up, Nick? What's going on, Ray? I'm still a little, uh, little. I, don't, I wouldn't say hungover from the election night, but you know, just kind of walking through life today. Walking through life. Yeah, I think there are a lot of us out there. Have you ever actually been complimented by Evan? I don't know if I have. I have no clue. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Maybe we should both leave reviews to see if uh, we can get our first, our first half-hearted compliment from Evan. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll be doing that. I'll be doing that for sure on iTunes uh, tonight. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get into this. We're gonna leave all of the non-football stuff behind. We're gonna talk about football, which is I think welcome for everybody that's listening to this podcast. And as always, we're going to hit on a little bit of news before we get to the starts and sits. In a piece of news that significantly brightened my day, uh, somebody that I've been waiting on forever return to practice, and that is the muscle hamster himself, Doug Martin, who practiced for the first time on Wednesday since injuring his hamstring all the way back in week two. It's too early to say if he's going to play this week, considering the long layoff and the setback he suffered during the bye week when he tried to ramp up activity. But if he does play, do you like him against the Bears? Yeah, I mean, you've got to like him. I mean, he's the 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 Bucks backfield has just been depleted by injury. So you figure if he's going to be, if he's going to play, he's going to play a lot. And I don't think they'd rush him out there for he's any less than a hundred percent. So I, I mean, if he's in there, I just assume he's going to handle his 20 plus touches and I'd start him as an RB two for sure. 
Yeah, and they've been they've been pretty run heavy lately anyway. I mean, they've they've moved away from what they were doing early in the season, allowing Winston to throw 40 something times. They've moved more run heavy. Getting Doug Martin back should only allow them to do that more. The concern is the layoff and the injury, and we'll see what happens there. But also, I've said it, it seems like I've been saying this a lot this week about a lot of defenses, but the Bears are one of those defenses, especially against the run specifically, that is better than you think it is, especially, um, like I said, especially against the run. They're getting back nose tackle Eddie Goldman this week. I I think that this matchup is not great, but like you said, if, if he's the starter, he's going to get 17 to 20 carries. That's that's enough to certainly keep him in the running back two conversation, even if you know he's not as effective as he would be. Another player returned to practice Wednesday, and that was Spencer Ware, although that was considerably less surprising than Martin's practice. It has seemed likely all week that he was going to be able to play. So now that we are pretty sure he's going to play this week, do we put him right back in as a running back one in a tough matchup against the Panthers? Yeah, I'd put him on the on the borderline of RB1, RB2. This, Like you said, this is a really tough matchup. It's definitely a pass-funnel defense. Carolina is really strong against the run. They're top six in fancy points allowed to running backs. So where's probably going to have to do is damage through the air, and he's shown he can do that. So I don't have any hesitation to put him back in my lineup whatsoever. Yeah, I agree with, the, I agree with everything there. And I, I mean, just to kind of put a bow on that, they shut down, the Panthers shut down David Johnson two weeks ago on the ground. I believe he had 24 yards on 10 carries or something like that. But he had 84 yards through the air. I don't know if Spencer Ware can quite do that, but he's shown that he can be a factor in the passing game, and I think that's going to keep him certainly in the running back one conversation. And finally for the news, Jeremy Macklin left the game early against the Jaguars last week after aggravating his groin injury. It really looks like he's going to miss this week. He sat out practice Wednesday. There's there's not much hope he's going to play. So if he doesn't play... is there anyone you like from that receiver group against the Panthers? I mean, I guess I would look toward Albert Wilson, maybe. But he, the only reason I would is like maybe in DFS or deeper leagues as a wide receiver four, if I can play four receivers. Because he played 41 of the snaps last week after Macklin only played two. Had to bow out super early with after aggravating the injury. Caught three of eight targets for 42 yards and a touchdown. Wilson did. And this, and like we said, this Panthers defense is definitely vulnerable against the pass. So, I mean, I'm not like excited to play Wilson at all, but he's going to be super cheap on FanDuel. I'm sure I haven't looked at his price, but I'm sure it's not very expensive whatsoever. And I mean, and for four receiver leagues, I hope when I have a problem starting them. Yeah, and I, I think Tyreek Hill deserves a mention too. He's 11 targets the last two weeks. He, you know. He's the deep threat. He's the guy that if it's going, if they're going to make a big play, it'll probably be through him. He's also scored a few touchdowns, which you know is a little surprising. But again, those were on on big plays. I think there are worse dart throws of Tyree Kill. In fact, in my rankings this week, I'll probably have Hill above Wilson and the player that is being completely wasted in Kansas City, Chris Connolly. But I, I do think, like you said, n- all of these guys are just dart throws at this point in, in deeper leagues and DFS. So. I'm not getting terribly excited. Some players we can maybe get excited about are some of your starts this week. And and we'll get started with Lance Kendricks, who has 29 targets in his last three games. 29. He is the tight end four in per game's PPR scoring over that span, which is just incredible. Is he going to keep it going this week against the Jets? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to like put up these huge numbers or anything, but it's it's really hard to ignore that that 
those tar- that target total that you mentioned. I mean, over the past four weeks, he's second among tight ends in targets per game at nine point seven, and that's counting Jordan Reed's one game of thirteen. And I counted that as number one. So essentially, he's number one in targets per game over the past month. And the Jets have allowed the seventh most receiving yards to tight ends. I mean, this Rams offense doesn't have a ton of weapons at all. Kenny Britt. I know Jeff Fisher said he wants to get Todd Gurley some more carries, so. Maybe he'll get a few more, but this Jets run defense is really stout. They're going on the road, so I assume they're going to have to pass against this defense to have any prayer at scoring points. And Keenum is just a dump-down artist, so, I mean, Kendrick is getting those dump-downs too. And he screams. Kendrick screams low upside, but you'll take six catches and 70 yards at tight end right now. For oh, definitely. Sure. It is ugly, ugly out there. Another spot that it's it's not very pretty is in the Philadelphia backfield. We We talked last week about Doug Peterson laughably calling Ryan Matthews the lead guy and then, you know, hashtag as expected, he wasn't against the Giants. And he still scores a touchdown. It just drives me crazy. Yeah, it was it's it's been maddening with Ryan Matthews the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what how that how that continues. Don't start Ryan Matthews this week, despite the touchdown. But Darren Sproles is a, certainly the lead back. He has a decent matchup this week against the Falcons. Are you gonna be starting him? Yeah, if I own Darren Sproles in season-long leagues, I'm definitely firing him up this week. The, the Falcons have allowed the second-most catches to running backs, uh, three touchdowns receiving the running backs. And, I mean, like we said, Sproles is dominating these snaps in the backfield. This game has a 50-and-a-half over-under, tied for the highest of the week. So this could turn into a shootout. I know Doug Peterson said on Wednesday that he he doesn't want Carson Wentz throwing the ball as much as he was the past couple of weeks where he topped 40 pass attempts in both games and they lost, so... I assume they're going to run the ball a little more, which would lead to more carries for Sproles. So I just love this spot for Sproles. And to your point about the matchup, it's not even close. You said they've given up the second most receptions, 71 receptions, 547 yards. The only other team, even in that stratosphere, is the Chargers, who've given up more catches but fewer yards. But if you look at those two teams, if you take those two teams and you know just spread them apart, those those two teams are far and away the worst in the league against running backs out of the backfield. So this is an this is an exceptional matchup for Sproles, and I agree with you completely. I think he's going to have a good game. A player that might not have a good game is Quincy Inunua, who disappointed in a seemingly good spot last week. Although the Dolphins are one of those one of those bearish teams that may be better on defense than we're giving them credit for. But either way, he disappointed as he has many weeks. Is he going to bounce back this week against the Rams? I'm not loving this spot for Nuno at all. He's still playing behind both Brandon Marshall and Robbie Anderson. I know it doesn't mean too much in this offense since it's a three and four wide offense, but I mean, that's still guys he's going to have to contend with for targets and Devin Smith's coming back this week. So that's just another body added to the mix. I just don't like anyone in this, anyone in this game except Lance Kendricks, probably like we mentioned earlier, 39 and a half over under easily the lowest of the week. Both teams expected to score around 20 points. I just don't see a Nunez being that guy, and he's probably gonna have to go up against Lamarcus Joyner, who's probably the, the Rams' second best corner behind Tremaine Johnson. And I gave him a shot last week after after his last, you know, after that good game that he had two weeks ago, and that's never going to happen again. He is just too inconsistent. I will not be touching Quincy Nunez ever again. Uh, a player that I'm upset to see struggling is Christine Michael, who has trended down in a big way the last several weeks. Is there any hope he stops the slide against the Patriots? Ah, man, he's just been so bad lately. 3.2 yards per carry over the past five games. He was out-snapped by C.J. Procise last week. Uh, the 
the Patriots are allowing like 3.7 yards per carry. I believe I didn't write it down, but somewhere around there, they're they're not bad on in run defense at all. I think they're number five in rush defense, DVOA at pro. I mean, at football outsiders. So I'm just not getting excited about this spot for Chris and Michael. And with more te- less teams off the bye this week, I think there's only four teams on bye. So we get we get a bigger player pool than we've had the past two weeks. So I, I just I don't like Chris and Michael whatsoever on the road in this game with the Seahawks. As seven seven and a half point underdogs. I was going to make a point about that. Yeah, they are. They're seven and a half point underdogs, which, just as a fun fact, is the first time Seattle has been an underdog of a touchdown or more since Week Seven of two thousand and twelve, the two thousand and twelve season. Any guess on the opponent in that game? <sighs> Packers. I have no clue. Ah, that was that's a good guess. That's a fine guess, but it was on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Uh, that was an, that was an eight-point spread, and for all you degenerates like me out there, uh, the Seahawks covered but did, not, but did not win straight up. It was a 6-13 to 13 game, a barn burner, the ones that we used to see from Seattle <laughs> and 49ers. I, I doubt it would go – I doubt that game is going to go similarly this year. I, I'm going to go ahead and put – I'm going to go ahead and say that the Seahawks might be favored against the 49ers. Yeah, double digits for sure. Excellent stuff as always, Nick. Um, his column is a must-read every week. It's available on rotoworld.com right now. Make sure you check it out. You can also find Nick on Twitter at Nick Benzio or every single Thursday on this very episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Thanks for coming on, Nick, and we will talk to you next week. Yep, good luck this week. And we are back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and you could find his must-read weekly column, The Worksheet, every single Wednesday on rotoworld.com. And as always, you can find him on this very episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Thanks for coming on, Rich. How is it going? Oh, it's going great. Here we are in week 10. You know, we're closing in on Thanksgiving is right around the corner, which means my wife will be spending all my money uh, very soon. So I'm very excited. <laughs> so I'm not winning enough. I've got to start to ramp up uh, some winnings here. <laughs> I have a uh, I have a hot take. I think that Thanksgiving is infinitely better than Christmas. I think Thanksgiving is the best best fall holiday. So I am uh, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. That's, I love Thanksgiving. That's not that hot. You have no kids though, correct? That is accurate. See, yeah, I was I was down on Christmas for a good stretch until I had kids, and they kind of rejuvenated me on the on the Christmas there. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll see. Fingers crossed, we'll never have to cross that bridge. But we'll. Uh, <laughs> But we'll move on into uh, into some football talk. Every every week on this podcast, we talk about a couple interesting players from the worksheet that you should go and read. There's so much more information in there. Make sure you go and read it. Uh, but we're going to hit on a few of them. The first one is Joe Flacco, who has been absolutely terrible this year, but he gets a great matchup against the horrendous defense that he was actually able to do something against in week two. Are you willing to trot him out there this week against the Browns? Yeah, this this spot has kind of turned into just like kind of like where I, I highlight a streamer every week. It's basically what it's evolved into. And you like you hit on it, man. Flacco has been far from elite Joe Flacco in 2016. <laughs> you know, he's sitting at QB 19 overall. He's QB 27 in points per game. Uh, he also has just one top 12 scoring week on the season, and that did not even come against the Browns. I mean, Flacco 
has no issue with volume, though. He's averaging 42 pass attempts per game. It's only behind Drew Brees. The thing is, he's not throwing touchdowns, and he's not getting the ball downfield at all. Just 36% of Joe Flacco's completions have gained 10 or more yards. It's the lowest rate in the NFL. The good news, the Browns, 52% of the completions they're allowing have gained 10 or more yards. That's the sixth highest rate in the league. And we talked about his touchdowns a little bit. Flacco has thrown a touchdown just once every 56 pass attempts this year. That's worse than the league. Uh, the good news, again, in the Browns, they're allowing a touchdown pass once every 13.8 pass attempts. That's the highest rate in the league. It's never easy going all in on a quarterback on Thursday night, especially this is a repeat divisional game where we know historically kind of passing production kind of drops. And that first game, they played catch-up most of that game as well. So, I mean, are you looking at Flacco as a streamer? Do you like a guy like Jake Cutler? Uh, do you have your eye on maybe if you're really fishing, are you are you going down to like a Trevor Simeon? I mean, who, who are you looking at at quarterback this week? Uh, I'm not. I can't do it with Flacco. There's not a chance I would touch Cutler. I, I said on Twitter, I think Cutler is this week's Tannehill. He's had more than 32 attempts in one game since week nine of last season. That's 11 starts. They do not trust him. He does not throw the ball that much. He does not have the volume. I'm, I'm not putting anything in Jay Cutler. I understand Flacco, but you made the point about game script in that he was able he had to throw a lot in week two because they were behind big I, I the Browns got out to I think a 20 nothing lead in that game and he had yeah, to 20, to two, remember? 20 to two remember <laughs> remember they blocked fantastic. that extra point oh yeah <laughs> the, the, this the NFL has just been crazy but but yeah so they were out to a big lead they had to throw all second half I don't see that happening again they want to establish the running game this is a good time to do it I can't get in on Flacco. I can't get in on Cutler. I do think Simeon's a better option. As crazy as I, it sounds saying that, I, like I think it. Carson Carson Wentz is out there in, in more than half of Yahoo leagues. I think he's a better option. Colin Kaepernick going back to the well because the Cardinals give up a ton of rushing yards. They give up 70 and a touchdown to Blaine Gabbert. But you, the point that you're trying, I think that we're making here is that streaming quarterback has been awful for about four weeks now. Well, we were good last week. We had cap. I mean, that was that was looking good. Uh, you know, I don't know how far back. I, I don't even remember what we talked about in week eight. Uh, it's just a blur, so I don't even know. <laughs> it was a block week. So, yeah, it, it's it's been tough. It's certainly been tough. I, I think there are some options this week, but I don't know if I can do it with Flacco. A Raven that I can, though, get in line for is Dennis Pitta, who has been the definition of low upside this season. He <laughs> dialed it all the way up to terrible last week. But this matchup, it's too good to pass up, right? Yeah, I mean, we t- I was talking about Flacco, and because Flacco isn't throwing any touchdowns, uh, Dennis Pitta is not catching any. In-, in fact, he has the most targets in the NFL now without a touchdown in the season so far. So I-, I can't promise a touchdown, but Pitta can find a lane to production even uh, this week. So the Browns are-, are are dead last in receptions and receiving yardage allowed to opposing tight ends, second to only the Lions and touchdowns allowed. The Browns linebackers and safeties is cut in coverage have just been lackluster. Uh, they just allowed a professional lawnmower racer and Jason Witten uh, to put up <laughs> 130 plus yards after Witten failed to top 70 yards in his previous 17 games played. I mean, Pitta is definitely in the ilk of dad running uh, that Witten is, and he's already one of six top 10 scoring tight ends versus the Browns this season as he dropped a nine for 102 line on them in week two. Yeah. And I, to kind of expand on your point with Witten, that was the first time Jason Witten had gone over hundred yards since 2013. So we're talking about we're talking about upside that Witten hadn't had in a it was only I believe his seventh game with more than 130 yards in his entire career, which was a long career. 
I if if Witten's putting up big numbers against you, <laughs> anyone can put up big numbers. And so I, I'm completely in on on that for sure. Jay Ajahi ran for 200 yards in back-to-back games. Everybody talked about that. He ran for 111 and a touchdown last week against the Jets. I don't think people recognize that's probably a better performance considering how good the Jets' defense is. But now he gets another tough run defense on the Chargers on the road. Is he going to be able to keep it going this week? Man, what a turn of events to get us here from not even making the trip in the Dolphins opening game of the season to being a part of probably the worst running back rotation east of Minnesota for several games. Uh, and now is basically like a borderline like concrete top five back for the rest of the season now that the Miami O-line is healthy and the offensive culture has kind of shifted for the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins have run the ball on 55% of their plays the past three games after rushing for only 34% of their plays uh, the time prior. I mean, Ajayi's just the first Miami running back now to rush for 100 yards in three straight games since Reggie Bush in 2011. And he's doing it by stacking splash play runs. He's second in the league now with 24 carries of 10 or more yards. That's just three behind Ezekiel Elliott, who has 69 more carries in the season than him. Uh, Now, this week kind of poses an interesting uh, dynamic as they're going on the road now for the first time in a month. Uh, The Chargers have allowed 100 yards uh, rushing just in one game all season to, to a team, not even to a back, tied the Packers for the fewest in the league I mean in fact the only back to even go over 75 yards rushing a game with them was Frank Gore um but you know I think when you look at the past three matchups that Ajayi's had coming into those games all three of those looked like subpar matchups on paper uh and then the Chargers are still letting every back reach the paint still even though they're limiting him on the ground as they've allowed multiple rushing touchdowns in five games that's the most in the league so while it is I think uh, a tougher matchup uh he's had three tough matchups coming in I think you're just going to keep riding uh, Ajayi while uh, the Dolphins are going to keep giving him the football as much as they are and my concern is like you said the last three games I've been at home and more importantly, they've been able to keep it in positive game scripts mm-hmm. um, pretty much. I mean, they were behind a little bit, I think, against Buffalo, but they were able to keep it pretty good game scripts. I'm not sure that happens. In fact, I like the Chargers a lot, minus four this week. But like you said, he's a good bet for a touchdown. He's a locked-in running back one. I think he has to be in your lineup pretty much regardless of your other options. Finally, let's talk a little bit about someone we kind of mentioned before, Trevor Simeon, not been playing well late. But he has a great matchup in New Orleans, and he's going to be throwing to two guys who are pretty good at football, and that's Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. They're in a great spot against the Saints. Are they top 20 plays this week? Yeah, we, we finally started to see what we were worried about in the offseason, where the Denver you know, offense has kind of limited the fantasy output from Sanders and Thomas. As neither have been a top 20 PPR score over their past four games, and that was after they were both top 24 options together uh, the three games you know prior to that drought. The positive new here, news here is that they're still just getting peppered with opportunity as the Denver usage tree is still as thin as you can get. I mean, the wide receiver duo here has, uh, they've still had over 25% of the team targets uh, in each of those games apiece. Demarius has 41 targets over that span that's tied for second in the league. Sanders has 35, that's 11th in the league. They've just been kind of mushed by the play of Simeon. Now this week, we already kind of hinted at it, Simeon's not actually on the board as a serverable streamer. I mean, six of the past eight quarterbacks to face the Saints uh, have been top 10 scorers on the season. Uh, New Orleans kind of looks okay versus opposing wideouts, but don't let their fantasy point totals kind of mislead you because they're skewed a bit as they're only allowing five 
touchdowns to the position because everyone runs the rock into the paint against them. Uh, New Orleans is still allowing the 10th most receptions to receivers, the 5th most receiving yards to the position, with no tight end presence on the Broncos roster and kind of an unknown running game at this point that kind of faltered in a spot that looked like a good matchup last week. I like both Denver guys to get back on the board here as top 20 weeks. And I, I think Sanders, I've, I've thought this for a while, I think Sanders should be ranked ahead of Darius Thomas. And I think that that's not a widely held opinion, especially when you look at DFS, um, when you look at DFS pricing. I know that I believe Th- Thomas has more touchdowns this year. Sanders is getting all the red zone work he has. He leads in both targets inside the 20 and inside the 10. He has four more targets than any other wide receiver in the league inside the 10, but he only has two touchdowns in the red zone. I think that's going to turn around at some point. This week seems like as good a week as any. So I am, I'm completely in on both of these guys. But like I said, I think Sanders probably should be ranked ahead of Thomas. All right. Thanks for coming on, Rich. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find his work at rotoworld.com. You can also find Nick Minzio's work at Rotoworld. You can follow him at Nick Minzio. And as always, remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast anywhere you find it. And that's about it. We'll talk to you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.